This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, giving you the opportunity to get involved and make your community a better place for seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Coming up, what it means to practice gratitude and how it can lead to a happier life. And the science behind the changing colors of fall foliage. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canadians flooded the Canada Revenue Agency's snitch line during the pandemic, with the number of calls nearly doubling to over 62,000 in the first year of COVID-19. Almost all were reporting alleged abuses of the $2,000 a month Canada Emergency Response Benefit, or CERB. On average, CRA receives between 32 and 34,000 tips every year. Turns out there's a financial bonus to being married or living with a partner. New U.S. research finds that single people make less money than those with partners. Nearly 40% of Americans between 25 and 54 were living without a spouse in 2019, according to the Pew Research Center. That's a huge increase from decades ago when just 29% of Americans were single. The median earning for single men in 2019 was just over 35,000 U.S., compared with 57,000 for partnered men. The gap for women was 32,000 versus 40,000. The trial of 100-year-old Josef Schütz, the oldest person to stand trial for Nazi-era war crimes, began in Germany this week. He is accused of knowingly and willingly assisting in the murder of 3,518 prisoners at the Sachsenhausen concentration camp where he was a guard. His lawyer says he will not speak about his time at the camp but will only provide information about his personal situation. The case comes a week after a 96-year-old German woman who was a secretary in a Nazi death camp dramatically fled before the start of her trial, but was caught several hours later. She, too, has been charged with complicity in murder. This week, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra presented a concert celebrating the life and legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The new classical music piece, inspired by the late U.S. Supreme Court justice, would not have been possible if it wasn't for a bunch of lawyers in the Chicago area, a Long Island Fine Arts Foundation, and an award-winning pianist and composer who put the deal together. The late judge was an opera aficionado and often said a night at the opera offered a rare break from thinking about the law. Nadia Chowdhury, a Montreal neuroscientist who gathered a worldwide following while sharing her journey in palliative care with ovarian cancer, has died. She was 43. 
Chowdhury was renowned for creating scholarships for underrepresented young scientists and raising awareness about ovarian cancer with her frank writing about her terminal diagnosis. She leaves behind her six-year-old son and her husband. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's one of the most beautiful aspects of our northern climate. The changing colors of fall foliage make for dazzling displays all across Ontario. But while most of us concentrate on where to look at leaves, I asked Dr. Mark Cadot of the Department of Biological Sciences at the University of Toronto Scarborough why their colors change. Leaves uh, tend to change around the same time every year. Uh, because of uh, the, the shortening of the days, uh, and they can sense that, so they know when they need to prepare to change their colors. And so what determines the change of colors? Is it light? Um, it's a combination of things. Um, the The big signal is light, is the um, essentially the ratio between long-wave infrared radiation and short wavelength that we see during the day. But they also respond to what the season has been like in terms of temperature and moisture. What would be at play this year? Well, this year, um, uh, many of the trees in Ontario have experienced uh, a relatively warm uh, summer and a warm fall, uh, a moist summer, moist fall. And that's typically pretty good for uh, for leaf color. So leaves might be changing a bit earlier, but they'll certainly last longer in their colors. Um, what's what's uh, detrimental to uh, fall colors would be um, either a drought or a cold summer or a late spring. Does each particular leaf have its own color that it changes to, or is there a continuum where first they turn yellow, then they turn red? How does that work? Obviously, leaves all start out as, as green. Um, and that's because they're full of chlorophyll, this one pigment that is used in little engines that turn sunlight and carbon dioxide and water uh, into oxygen and sugar. And so the uh, the leaves break those down and, and absorb them as well as they can for use in, in future years. So what the colors are is whatever's left behind. And it depends on the species of trees. And so some of them will have uh, carotenoids that are orange. Some of them will have anthocyanins that are red. Um, and th- that transition from green to that either orange or, or red or, or yellow, um, uh, any color in between is sort of the mix between green and those other colors. But uh, species will end up at uh, being either red or orange, uh, depending on what their chemical makeup is. Uh, so can you give me an idea of which, which ones turn red and which ones turn orange? Yeah, so... Uh, uh, some of our most popular maples, um, like the uh, sugar maple, will be uh, red uh, for sure. Um, some of the other maples, like uh, silver maple, might be more of an orange color. Uh, some of the other species, like uh, beech, um, birch, they'll they'll definitely be yellow. Uh, and so it's it's obviously uh, most attractive when you have a mix of those different species together. But the most vivid that everyone thinks of in this area uh, are certainly our maples. Uh-huh, and they're red, obviously. Yeah, they're they're most often red. What about other things? Uh, what about sumac? Uh, sumac turns red. Um, sumac should be turning now, uh, so that should be one of the early ones that people uh, uh, would see. Um, some of the species that turn yellow tend to turn a little bit earlier 
uh, as well. Um, but the, the the highlight of the season and the end of the season will be the those maples. Does it go sort of from north to south, where the colder the climate is, the earlier they'll turn? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, we should see these uh, gradients from the north to the south. Part of it is temperature, and part of it is because uh, the day length changes more rapidly in the north, and so the trees pick up that, that changing day length uh, a little earlier in the north. Um, and as we go further south, it, it, they're just behind usually a few days to uh, a week or so. So when would you say this year the peak is going to be? I would guess uh, within two weeks from now. So uh, this weekend would be lovely to get out. Um, you'll start to see uh, some of the yellows and oranges and the first of the reds. Next weekend will probably be ideal to see a lot of the mix of the colors. But even the weekend after that, we should still see a lot of the colors. When will we see it closer in the city? Uh, should be next weekend. Uh, I've noticed uh, uh, around here that I've, uh, I've been seeing uh, trees changing, uh, certainly trees on street. Um, which tend to have a little bit of a different environment. They tend to change a little bit earlier. I've been seeing those uh, changing, but in um, some of the parks in Toronto next weekend should be a good time. And really, you know, this short period of time is a great opportunity to get outside and see the city. Thank you so much, Mark Cadot. That was fascinating. Well, thank you for having me. That was Dr. Mark Cadot. For updates on the best places to look at the leaves, go to ontarioparks.com slash fallcolor. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, the benefits of practicing gratitude as we mark our second pandemic Thanksgiving. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. something we should do every day, not just on Thanksgiving. There's a school of thought which holds that practicing gratitude can make us happier. I talked with psychologist Dr. Sam Claridge. I think if we're grateful and thankful, it will certainly lift our mood and spirit. Certainly it's better than being ungrateful and unthankful, for sure. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you need a particular mindset. Mindset goes something like, um, I need to uh, be thankful for the fact that I have reasonable health, that I have a good support system, that um, although, uh, although there's restrictions um, in my life currently with what's going on with the pandemic, um, I'm still connected to those that are important to me, and, and I'm grateful for the fact that I can live each and every day to the best of my ability, even given these restrictions. And if you can repeat that to yourself, and uh, I mean, it makes it much easier to get up each and every day and be thankful for the fact that um, uh, you're that you're still able to carry on and um, and function. Positive psychology. When did it start as a school of thought, and um, how is applying it in the time of the pandemic? When did it start as a school of thought? Probably, um, probably in the '60s and '70s, and it's grown considerably. And um, as a result, you see, because if we constantly look back backward at our struggles and our pain and our suffering, rather than looking, being in the present, looking forward, 
to what we can do better with our lives, that's a major shift in thinking. And because it shifts the thinking, it also will create a better outlook, uh, more effective behavior, and so on. I guess the key is is to apply it even more in pandemic times. If we're good at being grateful and optimistic and thankful, we need to carry that through, especially during a pandemic, when a lot of people, because they're restricted in many ways, get very down, very discouraged, very cynical, very pessimistic, and they don't like living this kind of life. But if we, on the other hand, are grateful and are optimistic, especially during times that are tough, it'll carry us through, and it does. I mean, there are certain people that in spite of traumas and, and in spite of, um, uh, of restrictions and so on, still conduct themselves as they would if there weren't those restrictions, which is fascinating. And so what, what do you tell people who turn to you for help with this? We go over um, what is working for you. What is going well in your life? What interactions are working well? Um, and, they'll, and, they, and they may um, drift back to what isn't working well, to what isn't going well. And I say, yes, there's no question that it's tougher than it's been or maybe than it's ever been in your lifetime. But that doesn't mean that you can't overcome it. I mean, hurdles and obstacles are there to demonstrate to yourself that you have the capacity and the willingness to overcome them, no matter what they are. And people who are good at that as I said, usually live healthier, longer lives. I've read uh, from different psychologists that basically people have a, a set point for happiness and that half of their happiness is genetic, the other half is their lived experience, and that, you know, if if they're uh, glass-half-empty types, uh, they will revert to that. Happiness is an interesting phenomenon. It's... Uh... I mean, some people say it's overrated. Some people say that we shouldn't strive for that because we don't even know what it is. I mean, we certainly know when we're unhappy and miserable. But to achieve happiness, um, I think we'd be better off trying to be the best we can be, do what we're capable of doing in spite of limitations, work hard at being better, work hard at, at trying to achieve what we want to achieve, connect to people that are important to us. And as, a, as an outcome, um, given that we're trying to do these things and being focused on our behavior, as an outcome, happiness will occur, as opposed to searching out happiness. I think what we need to search out is better ways of handling things, more effective ways of handling things. And once that occurs over time, and it's repeated over time, then usually the outcome is one uh, like a better feeling inside. And we can label that as being happy. But there's no assurance that we're going to be happy all the time, because moods can slip up and down, but it depends on how high and how low, the, um, how, um, how low they are. But um, aim for doing things different, telling yourselves different things, doing things in different ways, connecting to people in different ways. And over time, if they work out, we're going to find out that we're a lot happier. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Is it important to have a day like that that kind of reminds us or is dedicated? Absolutely. To- I think that we need to remind ourselves regularly of um, how fortunate we are um, uh, that we have fa- family, friends, we have support, um, we have we have work that we enjoy, we have experiences that we enjoy. We also uh, there's also traumas that we experience. There's losses that we experience. But if we remind ourselves that we're very fortunate, I mean, in our position, and we're going to continue um, to be grateful and thankful for that, that's a fabulous way to live our lives. Dr. Sam Claridge, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Libby. 
That was Dr. Sam Claridge. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. And happy Thanksgiving. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.